Welcome to the Wonder by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wonder by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. Hello and welcome to day 35 of the Wondered by the Word podcast and reading plan. We are kicking off another week and we just started the book of Exodus last week. In fact, the last day we opened up Exodus chapters one through four and we learned about the early years of Moses' life. Now today we are taking a look at Exodus chapters five through nine. We are covering a big chunk and a lot of us going to focus on the plague. So When we enter Exodus chapters five and six, Moses and Aaron have their first meeting with Pharaoh, who, you know, in that culture, he was the ultimate authority. It was an unchecked authority. And really the Pharaoh lived to be served. We're not looking at this like gracious leader, right? And they tell Pharaoh that God has told, has commanded that the people of Israel should be allowed to go into the wilderness for three days for a feast. And this is rooted in Exodus chapter three, verse 11. After the second doubt that Moses posed, God instructs Moses to say this phrase about going into the wilderness for a feast. Yet God then proceeds to say he knows Pharaoh will not relent. Okay. And so why, why this, right? Well, it's likely God is giving Pharaoh a chance to respond to an easier request than allowing the people to go free completely. But still, Pharaoh does not agree to this. In fact, he doubles down and gives the instruction that the Israelites must gather their own straw for the bricks that they are using to build, while also maintaining their quota. You know, so the people are understandably upset, and their foremen go before Pharaoh to talk about it. They don't go to Moses. They don't petition to God. They go to Pharaoh, which shows you a little bit about where they thought the authority lied, right? Um, but Pharaoh, is, he what he just does is he repeats his intention, like nothing is changing. So the foremen come out and they essentially blame everything on Moses. Moses, in turn, goes to God and he shares his frustration. He says in chapter 5, verse 22, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you even send me? I mean, that sounds like a question we might ask, right? God, I thought you called me to this. God, I thought that you were in this. God, I thought this was your will, but you're not showing up the way that I thought that you would. It's getting harder. It's not getting better. You know, why did you even send me? You know, I think what this shows us is that sometimes it's going to get harder before it gets better. You know, we can, we can be in God's will and things still may get worse before the victory. That's a principle we're seeing here. And the question is, you know, are you going to throw in the towel? Or are you going to trust God and endure? You know, God responds to this cry from Moses. He doesn't chastise him, but he responds in chapter six. And he tells Moses that not only will Pharaoh let you go, but he is going to drive you out himself. God then goes on to give seven I will declarations. He says, I will. And then he declares something he's going to do. He says he's going to bring them out. He's going to rescue them from their bondage. He's going to redeem them. 
He's going to take them as his people, that he will be their God, that he's going to bring them into the land, and that he's going to give them a heritage. So God is reminding Moses and ultimately the people that God is at work and God is doing something miraculous here and that he will do something spectacular. There are seven I will declarations and we can trust in God's declarations. We can trust in his promise. We then move on into verses 14 through 26 and see a genealogy connecting Moses and Aaron to Jacob. And as I mentioned last week, we see that they come from Levi. They are Levites. Stepping into chapter seven, the Lord speaks to Moses and tells him to tell the Pharaoh that Moses will be like God. And what this means is that God would deal with Pharaoh through Moses. Okay. It's not like Moses is God, but that he's going to deal with Pharaoh through Moses. One commentator put it this way. He should stand before Pharaoh in the place of God, not only delivering his messages, but accompanying them with such actions of power as should demonstrate the authority of those messages. Meaning Moses is delivering these messages, but the power that accompanies the messages, you know, those are ultimate authorities from God that have been given to Moses. And we will see this as Moses goes before Pharaoh again and asks to, and, and so what essentially happens is Pharaoh says, I want you to prove it with a miracle, right? And so Aaron throws the staff down and it becomes a serpent. Yet Pharaoh's magicians are able to replicate the act. They do the same thing. However, we know that our God is more powerful and Aaron's serpents eat up the other serpents. So um, while they were able to replicate it, and they were able to replicate that through um, the power of the enemy, right? But ultimately, God is more powerful. And so their serpent eats up the other serpents. But, you know, Pharaoh's heart, it remains hardened. And what this means, I submit to you, is not that God acted in a way that went against Pharaoh's will. He's simply confirming Pharaoh and his inclination against Israel, that his inclination is wicked towards Israel. We then move into the plagues. Uh, We're going to see 10. And in verse 14, we see the first, which is the Nile River, which is their major water source, turning into blood. It killed the fish. It was undrinkable and it it really stunk. Now the plagues that God brought against Egypt really each had a purpose in the kind of attack that it was. It was, they were attacking Egyptian deities, right? Pharaoh did not acknowledge who God was. He says, I don't know who this God is. And so God's going to show his power over all of their false gods, over their false deities. Then the plagues are going to show God to be greater than any of them. Specifically, the first plague is an attack on the, the Egyptian river deities. You know, so the Nile at that time, the Nile itself was practically worshipped as a god by the Egyptians. And the Lord shows that he has complete power over the Nile, not some river god, right? And we see this in how the magicians, you know, they are able to replicate the act. They're able to turn some water into blood. And as a result, Pharaoh rejects the power of God. However, you know, what's interesting to know is that if they really wanted to prove that their own gods were powerful, they would have reversed the water. They would have made the water clean, yet Satan cannot cleanse, right? And so the magicians could only replicate the act. 
We then see in Exodus 8, we're going to see several plagues in this chapter. The, the second plague is one of frogs that were so greatly numbered that they flooded people's homes. They were literally everywhere, like even in the bowls. And this plague of frogs targeted an Egyptian goddess who was always pictured with the head of a frog. And so to the ancient Egyptians, frogs were considered sacred. In fact, they couldn't kill them. And so these frogs fill the land. And yet again, the magicians, they're able to replicate the act. However, Pharaoh does ask Moses to command them to go. And for this, the people may go to sacrifice to God. It's the first sign of, you know, it appears Pharaoh is relenting. And so Moses agrees. And the next day is discussed. The Lord commands the frogs to die. Now, they didn't just disappear. They died in the homes. They died in the public places. They were, you know, heaps and piles were gathered. And again, it did not smell good. In fact, there is a sense that it was nauseating. Yet, Pharaoh does not keep his end of the deal and he changes his mind. And the last verse tells us that he hardens his heart again. Verse 16 introduces the third plague. This is gnats. Some translations say lice. I've even read people translate it as mosquitoes. We're not exactly sure, but I can tell you that all would be absolutely miserable. So side note that as we explore the plagues, one thing we'll observe is that the plagues happen within groups of three where the first and second are announced while the third isn't announced. So this plague is not announced to Pharaoh. He gets no warning. This plague strikes specifically at the heart of Egyptian worship. So the Egyptian priesthood, they were very careful about hygiene and ritual clean cleansing. So an infestation of something like lice made it unable to worship their gods. They also would have covered the animals and which meant that sacrifice, their sacrificial system would have taken a hit because they couldn't, the, the gods of Egypt wouldn't receive the sacrifice of lice infested animals. That, that would have been their mindset, right? And so Aaron stretches out his rod and he strikes the dust of the earth, turning the dust into gnats. And they cover the people, they cover the animals, which honestly, when I read that, it like, I literally shivered because I just, oh, I can't, I can't stand bugs of any size. In fact, the smaller they get, the more frightening they are. But um, guess who tries to replicate? The magicians. Except this time they can't. And they even acknowledge that the plague is from the finger of God, which means people are starting to know, note the power of God. Except Pharaoh. And he chooses to harden his heart again. Verse 20 then introduces the fourth plague, flies. But this time there is a distinction. God does not send the swarm to the land of Goshen where the Israelites live. He only sends them to the, to the areas where the Egyptians live. And so it's targeting the Egyptians. And Pharaoh, he calls for Moses again. And, and he agrees. Here's, you know, I'll, I'll let the people go to the wilderness to sacrifice if the swarming will stop. And they do. They stop. But again, Pharaoh backtracks. So we step into chapter nine, looking at three more plagues. The fifth plague, the Egyptian livestock, they die. Moses gives Pharaoh a warning that the next day, if the people are not allowed to go to make their sacrifice, that all the livestock belonging to Egyptians would die and that none belonging to the Israelites would die. 
And that happens. Pharaoh does not allow them to go. The livestock of the Egyptians die. He even sends some scouts to the area where the Israelites live to check and their livestock are all alive. Now, ancient Egyptian religion considered cattle sacred. And so the cow is often a symbol of fertility. And this is where that struck for them. We then see the sixth plague, which is one of boils. And being in the being the third plague in the second group, it comes without warning. Now, this was um, very painful. It was swelling, painful skin inflammation. I mean, these boils and sores were extremely painful and they affected the people and the animals. And notably, the text tells us it strikes the magicians, which perhaps is an indication that even though those who even those who were closest to the gods were not even safe. This seventh plague is one of hail and really is a show of power over their sky goddess. You know, God warns them again. He gives them a warning. He gives them time to take care of their property. And it says that there are some who heed the warning and do so, and there are some that don't. And so a storm that has never been seen by the Egyptians before it hits. It was rain, thunder, lightning, hail. I mean, hail so powerful that it broke. It says all the trees in the field. Yet the land of Goshen where the Israelites was spared. At this, Pharaoh calls for Moses and he makes this declaration that he has sinned, which sounds like repentance, right? However, true repentance had really worked its way through him and into his heart. Pharaoh is simply grieving the consequences of his choices and not the sin itself, which there is a difference. You can hate to see the consequences that come from your bad choice from your sin and feel bad about the consequences without feeling necessarily guilty for the sin itself. And that's what we see here with Pharaoh. And that's how we're going to leave off today. We're going to break here and we're going to pick back up tomorrow as we step into looking at the final plagues and taking a look at the, as the people begin their exodus out of Egypt. I'll see you tomorrow. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wonder by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here and I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of scripture. If the ministry of truth and grace or wonder by the word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way, would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends, all of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into scripture, engage with scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.